Welcome back. This is a soft count. Let's start the day off with a little football. We had mentioned the Bills, punter, Ariza, or whatever, has been accused of gang rape. So a little bit more. One, they cut that guy like I said they would because <laughs> he's a punter. He's not a quarterback. Let's like, get the fuck out of here. We do not want this attention at all. I mean, if this was Josh Allen, they wouldn't have cut him. So let's just get that clear right now. The Bills are not heroes. The Buffalo Bills knew about this story, and then once it became public, they cut him. Okay? So they, they knew about it, and they're like, eh, nobody really cares. Nobody's talking about it. And as soon as it comes out as a story, everyone, they cut him. They're like, ah, shit. Okay, we'll cut him. He did punt at 80 yards, though. That was pretty sweet, right? Yeah, that was good. good. Yeah, The gang rape thing, though. All right, cut him, cut him, cut him. As long as it's not Josh Allen. Listen. The story became, it was a 17-year-old girl, she slept with him, then he took her to a party, and he took her up into a room so that all of his buddies can have a run at her as well. That's what the story was, by the way. And so he's like, listen, me and that girl were consensual, and it's like, okay, for one, she was a minor, and you were in like your senior year of college, so that's not good. And it's like, no, you... you just because you had sex with her first doesn't mean you weren't a part of the gang rape, buddy. <laughs> Allegedly. So, anyway, he's donezo. Bye. NFL Top 100 came out. Uh, they finally released, like, the Top 10 or whatever. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. So, Tom Brady came out as the number one player voted on by the players. Which, I don't know what players are voting on this, by the way. I've only heard interviews with players say that they've never voted on this thing before. <laughs> I mean, even even uh, Matt Stafford was on there. He's like, he's like, you guys would be crazy to leave him off the list. And it's like, you guys, like, you're the one voting. You, you right? Supposedly, it's like these players are not voting on this list. By the way, because if they were, Tom Brady wouldn't be the number one player in the NFL. They just he just wouldn't. Like I said, the league is ninety percent African American. Athletes are fucking outrageously talented. Tom Brady is like in the bottom 1% of athlete, athletic, athleticism in the NFL. Like, he is as like bad as it gets as far as athleticism is concerned. I just have a hard time believing you're getting 90% of the best athletes in the world to vote on Tom Brady. <laughs> it's like, what? No fucking way. Aaron Donald came in at two. I'm not even sure. Okay, so as far as – I don't know what this list actually means. Like – the top 100. These guys are the best players. Because in my mind, it's like, all right, we take all the players, we put them in a backyard, and we're picking teams like a kickball game, right? Like the, Or football in this case. But it's like, who do you pick first? And in, and in my mind, you would always pick a quarterback first because the entire game, the ball is in the quarterback's hand. So to me, the, number, the top players should probably be all quarterbacks. <laughs> I mean – Everyone's like, well, Aaron Donald sacks quarterbacks. I'm like, yeah, like 13 of them a year, and there's 18 games now or 17 games. It's like Aaron Donald, I love him, and, and he is dominant. There's no doubt that Aaron Donald is, is, a, is a top NFL player. He is in the top, you know, whatever you want to put him in. But T.J. Watt got 22 and a half sacks and tied Michael Strahan's record. So what's the – let me ask you this. I'm going to give you guys some names. So I'm going to give you two names. And you just kind of think about them, and then and then I'll kind of reveal how this is going to go. So, T.J. Watt and Aaron Donald. 
which one would you pick, and what is the difference between the two? Most of you are like, oh, I'm taking Aaron Donald. Well, T.J. Watt came in at six, and Aaron Donald is two. So that's the gap. T.J. Watt had twice as many sacks as Aaron Donald last year, by the way, and one defensive player of the year. How can the defensive player of the year not be the number one ranked defensive player on the top 100? Especially when his statistics and everything, it's just, it outweighs him. Aaron Donald's great. I get it. He's great. I love him. I love him. But T.J. Watt is more valuable. And how do you become more valuable? You're just a better player, right? I don't know. Let me give you another couple more names here. How about Miles Garrett and Jonathan Taylor? Jonathan Taylor's a running back, obviously. Miles Garrett's a defensive end. All I've heard in the last 20 years is how the running backs have been devalued. They're not as valuable. Well, Jonathan Taylor's uh, the fifth most top 100 player. Miles Garrett came in at 11. Here's one. How about Josh Allen or Miles Garrett? Who would you take? I mean, it's the dumbest question in the world, right? You'd all take Josh Allen. Josh Allen's a quarterback and arguably one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL. Josh Allen came in at 13, just two below Miles Garrett. Like, they're saying Miles Garrett's a better player than Josh Allen. Maybe. I, is he? How about this one? <laughs> How about this one? Cooper Cup or Joe Burrow? I mean, Cooper Cup had a ton of yards last year. There's no doubt about it. He was great. Cooper Cup comes in ranked fourth overall. And Joe Burrow came in at 21 overall. What? Joe Burrow. Joe fucking Burrow in the Super Bowl. You're telling me there's 21 players better than him in the NFL that you would take over him? Get the fuck out of here. Listen, I wasn't a big Joe Burrow fan or a Josh Allen fan coming out of college. I mean, I liked them both, but I didn't see Joe Burrow becoming what he is. But here's the reality about Joe Burrow. He came into the league and immediately was balling. Balling. They just went to the Super Bowl with a shitty team. And I don't want to hear anybody else tell me anything different. That team, before him and fucking Jamar Chase got there, was trash. Straight, hot garbage. And fucking, they are balling out immediately. Now, Josh Allen, who came in at 13th overall, meaning he's like, you know, twice as good as Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, only this year, has really shown up and become a like MVP contestant. And really, that was towards the end of the season. His first couple of years in the NFL, people were wondering, like, he's not going to make it. He, he's not accurate. He makes a lot of dumb shit. He runs out of the pocket and fucking fumbles. He was terrible for a couple of years. And he finally kind of, they stuck with him, which is rare in, the, in today's game. And now he's great. Joe Burrow came in and was great immediately. You're going to tell me that Joe Burrow's 21 and Josh Allen's 13? Like, what? You're telling me the gap's that big? I don't believe it. They got fucking J.C. Jackson and Debo Samuel, Micah Parsons, Trent Williams, Derrick Henry, all these people above Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow plays fucking quarterback. These other guys might not touch the ball once in an entire game if Joe Burrow doesn't decide to give it to them. Jesus. 
The list is the more I've thought about it. I mean, they got Aaron Rodgers at three, Tom Brady at one. I don't know. I mean, if you watch those two guys play right now, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that Aaron Rodgers is a better player than Tom Brady. This list is becoming more of like, look at my, you know, trophy case. And so Tom Brady becomes number one because of the trophy case. But, I mean, he can't run anymore. This might be a bad year for him. We'll see. I don't know. I, I, I always believe in Tom. I think Tom's one of the greats, obviously. But in 2022, is he the best player the NFL has to offer? And if he is, that's a problem for the NFL. That means your talent is trash. If Tom Brady is the best player in the a 45-year-old white dude that can't run a f- fucking five-second 40, I'm sorry. If that's the best player the NFL has to offer, like then the NFL is not as athletic and talented as I thought it was. That's what I've come to realize. Is It's like, man, if all the players and everybody unanimously agree Tom Brady's the best thing we have to offer, like, ugh, that's not good. He's 45 years old and not athletic. And I get it. He's great. He was especially great. But ah, that worries me. I mean, hell, Micah Parsons hasn't done that much yet. He, I think he had like 12 sacks maybe, something like that last year. And everybody's like, he's the best I've ever seen. He comes in at 16. He's more valuable than Joe Burrow. It's like, no, he's not. No, he's, And he's on the fucking Cowboys. They're terrible. A terrible. I don't know, man. George Kittle came in at 22. He's hurt a lot. So, yeah, that's just my initial take on it. I, I don't even know what to think about it. As I've started rambling here and started talking about it, the more I hate it, the more I hate it. I'm like, man, there's no way fucking G- Patrick Mahomes is eighth. He was the number one ranked player at, like for, I think, like what, two seasons ago? He came in at number one. Now he's eight. It's like, why? What made him worse? And Tom Brady, how did he go from whatever he was last year to one? I, it's like, uh, I don't get it. I don't even see Matt Stafford in the top 25. He just won the fucking Super Bowl, and he's got a cannon attached to his arm. Who the fuck made this list? I'm starting to get a little angry now. Let's move on. Kenny Pickett and uh, Mitchell Trubisky battle is over now. I, I'm not sure. It hasn't been announced who's won, but, I mean, for the most part, all the preseason games are done. They let Trubisky play a lot in that last game. They wanted him to win it. He looked okay. He threw a touchdown. They scored. You know, They scored. He just looked okay. He looked, and, and then Kenny Pickett came in at the very end, and he looked okay too. And it's like, well, at, at different points in this whole preseason, Kenny Pickett looked fantastic. He looked good on the last one. Trubisky just looked good. And to me, it's like, I don't think Trubisky's done enough to keep the job. It's like, you're not our draft pick, dude. We brought you in because we expected you to win this job. And it's like, you... you you made it a battle, but you didn't pull away enough. And we've got a young guy that's only is already 24 years old. It's like he's kind of young, and he's been sold as ready to play. And all the people on television are telling you Trubisky should start, and then after you know, and then after a couple games, then we put in, then we put in Pickett. And it's like those couple games are losses. Then you realize this. All the people that are like, well, you just you start Trubisky, and then when you start losing, then you put in Pickett. And it's like, why would you wait to start losing? 
And then if, if you put in Trubisky and you're winning, that makes it even more difficult for Pickett to get out there. Because And I can tell you with 100% certainty, 100% that Trubisky is a bridge quarterback to Kenny Pickett, right? And you don't want Trubisky to beat out Pickett, and he didn't. There's no, there's just no reason to, to start him. He's just not going to be, I can, like I said, 100% certain he's not going to be the future. Trubisky isn't. It's not. It's Pickett, and the future's now. Start him. Stop Stop living in the past. Mike Tomlin, he gets a lot of credit for being like a good coach, and I just don't know why at times. I feel like he's maybe like the luckiest coach that's ever lived, more so than anything. He inherited a Super Bowl team. He inherited a, a Hall of Fame quarterback that he's had the whole time. He's pretty much the only thing that they've ever really drafted well is wide receivers, and I'll be honest with you. A lot of people are like, man, they just don't miss. They miss all the time. They just draft loads of them. Tons. People don't remember Limus fucking Swede and fucking Washington. And, I mean, there's so many guys. They draft They draft wideouts every year, all the time. And so it's, it's like taking a shotgun blast and, and hitting a target. And it's like, yeah, we found a star after drafting 15 wide receivers, you know, it's like, I, I don't know. They're not great at drafting. They miss a lot. And so I think the smartest thing they did was trade for Minka Fitzpatrick because they realized they hadn't hit on any of these DBs they were going after, so they finally just traded for one. They they went after Najee Harris and drafted a running back because they've that's been their whole, like, identity since I was a kid is we have a star running back. And it's been a few years since they've had a star running back. I mean, since Le'Veon Bell. They've been looking for one since Le'Veon Bell. There was the one dude that I think is in Arizona now. I don't even remember his name. He had cancer. He, I think he's on the top 100 even. I don't, I don't know how. He's like average is the day is long. <laughs> you know, like he's, he's good, but it's like, eh. So they get Najee Harris, and now the word is he has a Liz Frank injury. Eh, that might be over for him. That's not good at all. That is not good at all. All that being said, though, they, this George Pickens dude from Georgia looks amazing, but he seems to be like another Antonio Brown from all reports. Like, he's a fucking handful, which is sweet. I love that. Fuck him. Fuck everybody. <laughs> Just go in there and be a lunatic. I love it. But, yeah, Mike Tomlin, it's time to it's time to like evolve with the future and, and, and start Kenny Pickett. Fuck it. What do you got to lose? Games? You're going to lose those with Trubisky. You might as well just start this dude and – Get the ball rolling. They're just so terrified of not being over 500. That's like something in their mind. They're like, we've never had a losing season. And it's like, right, that's why you've never had a good draft pick. You guys are like fine being 9-8. and eight. Like, oh, that's a good season. Even though it was a bad year, we, had, we went 9-8. and eight. We were over 500. And it's like, yeah, now you've got the worst pick in the draft in the like middle, bottom middle. And you don't make the playoffs. Or if you do, you're a bad team. That's that the, the just over 500 is the limbo you don't want to be in in the NFL and it's the hardest hurdle to climb. To go from like being 3 and 12 or, or whatever you were back then to, I don't even know I can't even think about like how many games you play now. But just going from like 3 to 4 wins to going up to 8 wins, that's a that gap happens every year for a team. Every single year there's a team in the NFL that closes that gap. The hardest gap is going from like 8 and 9 wins to 11 and 12 and guaranteeing yourself a playoff spot. It is really fucking hard. And if you don't do it, 
then it's like you don't have a good draft pick. You don't make the playoffs. You don't really get any of the benefits of having a plus 500 season. And so if I'm the Steelers, like, I'm not starting Trubisky, man. Get the fuck out of here. I've been talking up the Raiders and the Dolphins now for the better part of a couple months. Those are my two dark horses, both of them. I think they both have potential to go to the it's, – it's hard to say because they're both in the AFC, but um, – I like both of them. The Dolphins put up 48 points in their preseason game the other night. That was impressive. I think that that I think their coach is going to be proven to be really nice. Tua has been showing to be really accurate, like I've been saying. I mean, if you think about Tua back in the day, he went six for seven, 121 yards and a touchdown. One of those was a 51-yard pass to Tyreek Hill. It's like, oh, oh, I'm telling you, man. I've watched Tyreek bail Patrick Mahomes out dozens of times. I mean, dozens. Pat doing his little scramble shit in the backfield, like, I don't know what I'm going to do, and then he just throws one up, and you watch it. Like, Tyreek Hill's running a route, and then he just stops and reroutes and goes back and gets the ball. Like, nobody can – there's very few wideouts that can do that. If they if they all could, then we there would be a whole new game. If wideouts could just stop and reroute to a ball that's thrown out of the fucking desperation, all of them could do that. We, you know, they'd all be in the top 100. You'd have. That's why Devonte Adams is really great. That's why Tyreek Hill is really great. And even Devonte Adams, he's not great like that. Devonte Adams runs crisp routes and has exceptionally like huge range of catching, and he can catch anything with either hand. But he's not a ad-lib guy as much as he's like a great he catches the ball and breaks tackles and he's really strong and big Tyreek Hill is like you like could basically you throw the same kind of pass as like a punt and he just stops and he's like oh and then he runs up zips over to the ball and catches it it's it's insane now Tua he's a rhythm passer he went six for seven I, I I'm telling you man the Dolphins are going to be scary if this coach can keep it together and they can get some kind of running game going. Their defense has been good. And so that'll be a fun – that's going to be a fun team to watch. I have always liked Miami. And then the Raiders have always been one of my other favorite teams. And they've got another coach that I've always liked. I've always liked Josh McDaniels. I've hated the Patriots my whole life. I hate them. They're, they're just – they win too much. It's like, fuck them. You can't just ride with the Patriots, you know. And so – but now what's funny is now that they're kind of bad, I, I like them again because I've always liked their coaches. I think Bill's great, and I think Josh McDaniels has been fantastic. And now he went to a team that I've always liked in the Raiders, and I, you know they got a really good quarterback. He's good. People that don't think Derek Carr is good, like you're wrong. <laughs> He's good. They've got great wideouts, arguably the best wideout, along with the best tight end. And a great slot wide receiver. It's just really going to come down to their defense. Can they can their DBs play well enough? And I, it'll be interesting to see. Still, my two dark horses. I can't get enough of them. Love it. I hadn't had a chance to really talk about Spa. I watched the race this weekend. Ugh, it was a disappointment. It was also a couple interesting things happened, actually. One was Max Verstappen started 15th and won the race, as I said he would. I I didn't say he would, but I was like, these guys are going to be competing to win the race from the back of the grid, and they'll probably get there. And he sure enough did and won the race. They got a Red Bull 1-2 finish, which is insane. They're supposed to be in the same car, 
and Perez is like, you know, starting way ahead of him and just can't. <laughs> Max is just so much faster. It's unbelievable. That's also if you believe they're in the same car, which I don't. Anybody that believes the two drivers are in the same identical car, you're insane because one, there's just different mechanics working on both cars. Some guys are better than others, and that's a fact. I would argue that the biggest story of the weekend was how poorly Ferrari, just how unorganized they are. I mean, you have a fast car and arguably one of the top five drivers in the world. And at one point during the race, you were asking your driver, "We're these are, the, <laughs> listen, at one point during the race, like, hey, we're on plan D now. D? Like, if you're on plan D, you failed, okay? Like, you shouldn't have to go through fucking four plans to, to land on your last plan. Uh, we're on plan D. It's like, what? And then at another point in the race, it, they had a couple options, and they asked him a qu- they're like, question? At the end, like, we're going to do, we can do this, 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 and this, or this, 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 and this. Question? Like, they didn't know. They asked Leclerc. Let me tell you something about Charles Leclerc. He is only a good driver. The dude has next to no education. None of these drivers are educated. None of them. They've never gone to school. They're, they are the wealthiest kids in the world. All of them. None of them have sat through just a regular or even Algebra 1 class, let alone a physics class. So when you're asking this guy questions that require a physics degree, he's like, he didn't even answer. You put weird tires on his on his car. You put brand new tires on his car when he was supposed to give a, a pole to somebody. Here's what this guy can do. He can be sitting in a car and feel the difference in the tires you put on. He's like, what tires are these? And they're like, oh, sorry, that was a mistake. And he's like, why? He can't do all that shit for you. For one, Charles Leclerc is not smart enough. He's not a physicist. He's a driver. and a, He's a kamikaze driver at that. He's insane. He's just really fucking handsome. And so everybody loves Charles Leclerc. But make no mistake, this man's never sat in a class and learned anything. He's been rich his entire life. Same with Max Verstappen. These guys can't sit down and do long division. Are you fucking crazy? It's funny, man. The biggest misconception from Drive to Survive is in the first season, Christian Horner says, these guys are like fighter pilots. And it's like, no, they're not. Fighter pilots all have 4.0s and all graduated college, and all of them have fucking mechanical engineering or fucking some kind of engineering degree. All of them. They're like the smartest top flight people we have to offer. What you have is the craziest people and thrill-seeking people. Not every driver in Formula One or NASCAR or any any of the driving things you watch, by the way, none of them have all the best drivers. Racing has never been about anything other than money. So make no mistake. Now, there are a handful of guys that are clearly part of the best drivers in the world. Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen, Charles Leclerc, these guys are. But they are not like fighter pilot mentality. They they've, they probably are not even that well read. They've probably never read a book. You know, like Max Verstappen's a young guy who's never really been to school. He's been a driver since he was a little kid. He's probably never read a fucking book in his life, start to finish, ever. <laughs> I mean... You know what I mean? So then to ask him, like, 
physics questions while he's driving. Like, what the fuck are you guys doing? These guys are not that. Mind-blowing. It is mind-blowing to me that the smartest people on the team are asking the driver while he's driving 200 miles an hour what to do. If you're the owners or have any kind of power at Ferrari, I would fire everyone there. Get the fuck out of here. It's, it was like it's super embarrassing. I thought Lewis Hamilton had a real shot at winning the race this weekend. But he took that, uh, he, you know, kind of attacked Alonzo on the outside, just cut it too close and flew his car up in the air and landed hard. Alonzo was talking shit like, oh, that guy can only drive from the front, blah, blah, blah. Listen, I've seen Lewis Hamilton go from the back of the grid to the front more times than any other driver I've ever seen. I've seen him make moves on people that you just can't explain. And when he was younger, he was vicious. You know, Alonzo is just pissed that he's in a shitty car, as usual. I love Alonzo, but come the fuck on, man. Lewis Hamilton's got seven world championships to year two. Like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear that shit. <clears throat> he was balling. Overall, the race I thought would be a little more exciting, but because of Ferrari's really blunders, it just made for kind of a boring race. Had a bunch of drivers just in their own space driving. They pitted Leclerc into a DRS train, so he was just kind of stuck there forever, and that ended the race. People don't realize that one bad decision in a Formula One race ends the race. There is an end to the race. You don't just have unlimited time to catch up. Like, there's a finite end. So if you make a mistake at 200 miles an hour and a couple seconds go by, like, it's over. You've lost. Because then all it means is the guy at the front just doesn't have to make a mistake. And if he doesn't, you lose. So, last weekend we didn't have any UFC. I said with an absence comes a yearning. That yearning is pretty fucking strong. I was miserable on Saturday. I'm sitting there like, I mean, there's some preseason football. And like I said, I'm over it. I'm way over the preseason football games. I don't give a fuck. It's too much trash. But I've repeatedly said it is the best, like, next to NFL. It's better than college football. It's been more entertaining. It's been tighter games. Anyway, so this fight night card is coming up. We've got Cyril Gaon and Tai Tuavasa as the main event. <clears throat> That's a banger. I do worry a little bit that Cyril Gaon will just kind of dance around Ty and dance and dance and just kind of try to win a scores, you know, score on a scorecard fight. We'll see. Ty has been everything that I didn't think he could be. Like, Derek Lewis is big and fat, but he's like, it looks just hard and like, he just looks powerful. Ty has a lot of excess body fat that doesn't look powerful to me. And that worries me. And so I'm always just like, it's a matter of time before this guy gets gassed and doesn't get a knockout in the first round or something. We'll see. I, I have a hard time believing. I mean, I'm not even sure who the favorite of this fight's going to be. I'll, I'll check it out. I haven't checked out on the odds yet. I had to been kind of laying low a little bit for a couple weeks as the NFL season starts to ramp up. Got a closing this week. With closings come a little bit more, uh, you know, maybe some more sports bets coming up. But I'm intrigued by this main event because whoever wins this fight, if Ty gets a win over Cyril Gaon, he's clearly in line to get a look at for the heavyweight championship. The, the problem with the heavyweight division right now is no one knows what's going on with Francis. Like, is Francis going to leave UFC? 
I have no idea. He's the champ, but he has no plans to fight, it would appear. And he keeps getting hurt. I mean, he's too big. The reality for him is that he had a window of dominance that is beginning to close. And you saw it against Cyril Ghan. He had to wrestle him because it's like he's just slow. That's the reality about Francis Ngannou. He's really slow. Anybody that thinks he's going to go be a boxer, you're fucking insane. He would get murdered. I don't even think he could beat Deontay Wilder in a boxing match. And people are like, oh, my God, Francis is gigantic. He would kill. I'm like, first of all, Francis is not that big compared to, I don't know, 6'8", Deontay Wilder, 7-foot-tall Tyson Fury. These guys can't make weight in the UFC. Well, Deontay Wilder can. But Tyson Fury weighs 300 fucking pounds. The, the limit is 265. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I, the idea that like Francis is giant, it's like, yeah, he's giant for the UFC. But, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. He's just too slow for my for my love. I, 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 Cyril Ghosn should have been able to get that win. They should have had him trained better in case, that, in case of that situation were to arise where Francis was just going to tackle him and lay on top. But they didn't prepare him well enough. And that's on the coaching, I think, for Cyril Gaon. Cyril's every bit big enough to, to defend that shit. The middleweight co-main event is Robert Whitaker and Marvin Vittori. At different times, I've loved both of these fighters. I think they're really talented fighters. And it, it, at certain points, you look at Robert Whitaker and you're like, man, you, everybody loves Robert. But he's 24 and 6, and he's had two shots at the title now. So what do you do with him? It's like, well, you put him in a co-main event with Marvin Vittori and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, why? If the fights were closer with Izzy Adesanya, then I would say, yeah. Like, let him get back, work his way up. But he needs to either change weight division some. He needs to move. Like, he's got to do something different. You can't just keep doing the same shit now. You can't beat Izzy. This maybe isn't your division. That would be something that I would think about for Robert Whitaker, and it would be the only way that I would start being more interested in his fights again. Because honestly, at middleweight, it's just not it. I don't. I'm not sure where you go. I mean, I don't. I think he's not big enough to go up. Obviously, so you'd have to go down, but and that's really hard. Let's see what he does. I was looking at the prelims. There's really not any of them. <laughs> this is going to be a short night, it would appear, unless they're adding fights to the card. There's only three fights on the main card and there's like a couple fights on the prelim card let me see here okay a couple of them been canceled i see but uh joaquin buckley's fighting nazar uh, nazardine amamov this amamov dude's been one of my favorite guys he's like a i think he's from france or something He's pretty badass. Uh, the saint denis fighter is also probably my favorite undercard fighter also from france i believe and uh, those two guys are, are pretty fucking badass. Saint Denis, I'm going to probably put a nice bet on. He's been my favorite fighter in the undercards now for the last six months. I want to say that he was like a special forces military dude or something they mentioned at, at some point, like SAS or something. He's fucking badass. Joaquin Buckley's the guy that's friends with the uh, weirdo self-defense guy from Detroit. He's looked good in his last few fights, but uh, Nasserdine is is really fucking talented. He's eleven and three, fifteen and four. Really sweet matchup. I would imagine that's going to be a coin flip. Saint Denis has to be the favorite. I don't know. We'll see how that we'll see how that comes about. I was really excited to see Ricardo Ramos, and uh, but the it was canceled. I thought Ricardo he's looking to become probably. 
in the featherweight division, like a real problem for people. He's 16 and four, but it looks like he's one of those guys that's turned the corner. As the week develops, we'll kind of get our picks in. We'll start making some making some bets, fight night pickums, all that good shit. Let me know how you guys are doing. Hit the like, hit the follow, leave a review. If you hate me, send me a DM and I'll read it out loud at the soft count Instagram. It's just me. There's nobody else. I'm the only one there. So not a big thing. Let me know how it is. And I hope your guys' bets do well. Later.